Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. All right, are you ready for change? I mean like lasting change, body, mind, and soul? Whew, you know how I feel about fat diets. Well, Coach John, oh my God, amazing, incredible. I could have talked to him for hours, not just about weight loss, but mindset and life. Just love him to pieces. I can't wait for you to hear him. I can't wait for you to share. You're going to want to share. And you know how much I appreciate it. So please, when you get a chance, would love if you rated the podcast. It means so much. Share, like, send it around the world. I'm telling you, there are so many pearls of wisdom for everyone in this young man's journey. What else can I tell you? I love people. And when I get to meet positive, powerful people like Coach John, I want to shout it from the rooftops. So are you. And as always, I am so grateful for your support, not just with the podcast, but my books and my workshops and my speaking engagements. Let me know how I can support you because you really have done a great job of supporting me. Enjoy. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. I know, I've been driving you crazy about this week's topic, but you know how I feel about the D word. That's right, diet. So I couldn't wait to bring on Coach John. But before I do, let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a weight loss coach and emotional eating expert who lost, da, 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 eh, 100 pounds. From nanotechnology researcher to Navy Marine engineer to... <laughs> globe-trotting nomad. Ay, ay, ay. Coach, he's had many lives. Coach John spent most of his life running from his true calling until one question changed his life. With Freedom Nutrition Coaching, he marries the science of metabolism with the psychology of behavior change and the compassion of human connection to create life-changing transformation with his clients. John, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. So um, sometimes I listen to my, my introduction and think, my gosh, is that really me? <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Like, how did I do all that? You know? Oh, you know, I, I joke that like, man, if I knew at 20 years old, like what the next 20 years were going to look like, I just ticked over 40. I'm like, man, I, like I grew up in small town Canada, you know? Yeah. And and the, the sort of adventures that life has taken me on over the last 20 years, there's no way I could have predicted it. You know, growing up in small town Canada without the internet for most of my... Can, uh, some people can remember life without the internet. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a, a pretty fun adventure. All right. Well, I have so many questions I want to ask you about Canada that have nothing to do with this, and maybe we'll get a few of those in. But before we get started, are you a hockey fan? I am. I was a little yeah. bit disappointed uh, this year 
I I thought the Flames were going to beat the Oilers and then maybe they could have given Colorado a bit more of a run, but the Oilers just kind of got hot in the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, and it's funny. So I live in a city called Red Deer for listeners uh, in the province of Alberta. So we have two hockey teams, Calgary Flames and Edmonton Oilers. And so and I live like smack dab in the middle of it. So oh. we, we joke that Red Deer is the cleavage between Calgary and Edmonton. Um, yeah. Because uh, we have a river valley running straight th- right through the middle of our city. So literally, oh. yeah. Oh. And uh, yeah, so I... You know, Edmonton has like two of the best players in the world, but Calgary, I thought, had a more solid team and I thought they were going to have better goaltending. <laughs> it didn't work out like that. So, uh, you know, but there's no shame in losing to the eventual champions. So, no, not at all. And do you get to go to games? Because for me, hockey, you got to do in person. Yeah. We, because we have a, a WHL team here as well. So now you wouldn't, you're for those out in the East, like, you know, we have the Canada Hockey League, which is a major junior. And then there's two tiers there's a Quebec, Ontario, and the Western Hockey League. So it's those three tiers there. And we have some American oh. teams in that league as well. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So it's it's a really major, major developmental league for for players up to the age of 21. And it's, it's a feeder league for the NHL as well. And so yeah. um, I actually used to work um, security and, uh, at, at an arena, our, lo- our local arena. Oh. And we've hosted like the World Juniors uh, multiple times. Yeah, it's so it's been pretty cool. And then yeah, we can we can head up like either way, it's about an hour and a half drive to get to Calgary yeah. Edmonton to go to like the big game. So Yeah, it's fun. The reason I asked is because one of my mentors and dear dear friends who passed away recently was Ed Snyder, who owned the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay. And so I got to work with the Flyers and Eric Lindros and it was it was just a blast. Those were good times, really good times. Yeah, you know, we we uh, for a while there in Canada didn't like Eric Lindros because he kind of snubbed the Quebec Nordiques who drafted him, who became the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those who don't, who who don't know, we used to have a team in, in Quebec City, which is the French speaking part of Canada. And uh, yeah, Eric Lindros got drafted by them, said he'd never play for them and end up getting traded down to Philadelphia. And yeah. it, w- was that the, the era of like Legion of Boom? Yes, <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I felt bad for him getting a few concussions yeah. and kind of getting... Um, yeah, it was. It was not... I mean, when I got brought in, I was training uh, Ed Snyder and Pat Croce was the uh, conditioning coach and physical therapist for the Flyers. And there were seven guys that kept getting injured. And one of them was Eric Lindros. So when I got brought in, it was because of his uh, knees. Do you know what I mean? Like it was Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the concussion chat. And what they were trying to do is get private trainers for each of the seven guys that, you know, once they got... Back on the ice, they didn't want to do their conditioning. So yeah. we were brought in to make sure that these top players stayed on the ice. After that is, like, I never heard it of the era boom, but I'm cracking up here. I'm like, I got to tell my friends that one. Uh, yeah, like, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm thinking who, who was in that line because there was Lindros and I'm trying to remember who his line mates were, but I'm, like Philly, yeah, they had a line and it was known as Legion of Boom because it was, it's a play on, there used to be. Oh, Legion of Boom. I thought you said Boom Boom, meaning like he got concussions. Oh, uh, my God. no, no, the Legion of Boom. I thought that was. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, Legion of Boom. I'm sorry. I was like, wait a minute, Boom Boom, like he fell? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which works, you know. Hey, I that mean, works too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, we better get onto this topic because yeah, I yeah. can see I could talk to hockey with you, and I and I love the I love the players; they're all great. But your word, what's mm. your word? Any word you can pick for the past thirty days, what would it be, and why? Uh, compassion. Compassion. 
Yeah. So if I'm picking a word, I'm picking compassion because I really think it, it truly has the power to change people's lives. And in particular, when it's self-compassion. And I think it is one of the most misunderstood words. And, and it might sound strange to say it's almost like a feared word in, in the sort of personal development space. I know it's getting more popular to talk about it. I feel like I was maybe, not, not that I'm that big a deal, but, you know, I've been talking about it since before. It was like a really big deal. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but really, t- to me, compassion is, is the ability to look at our behavior without the lens of judgment and look at it with a desire to understand. And in that, we can create change. And, but I think where we make a mistake is we look at compassion and treat it like what I would call enabling. You know, maybe I'll give you just a quick example of maybe it yeah. be helpful. Um, yeah. So let's say, Sandy, I come over to your place and it's, you know, maybe one o'clock in the afternoon and you're halfway through a bottle of wine and I'm kind of just dropped by unexpectedly. Ooh, that'd be a bad day. <laughs> so yeah. So if I, if, I, if I walk in there and I'm like, Sandy, you dummy, what yeah. are you doing? You know better than this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that tone right there is like a judgmental tone. And the first instinctive emotional response that most people get when they feel they're being judged is to want to hide their behavior. Absolutely. Right. So judgment causes us to hide our behavior. It doesn't help us. And yet we're really, really harsh judging ourselves. And it doesn't, it, it just creates this instinctual response. I want to hide my behavior to escape the uncomfortable feeling of judgment, not I want to change my behavior. Ooh, good one. Right. Now, if I come in there and go, hey, Sandy, looks like you had a tough day. Oh, you might as well finish the whole thing off. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what we call enabling, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's me enabling you or encouraging you to carry out a behavior that is unhelpful for you. In fact, it could even be destructive. Yeah. Yeah. So, but very often we, we kind of, we mistake compassion for enabling where it's like, oh, if I show myself compassion, I'm just going to go nuts and won't even restrain myself. And I'm like, that's not what compassion is. Okay. So compassion walks the middle road. Hey, Sandy, looks like you've had a tough day. What's going on? How you doing? Yeah. Right? We just want to understand. So there's no judgment yeah. there. There's not. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. keep drinking wine, but I'm saying, hey, let me connect with you as a human being and yeah. see what's going on right now. Yeah. And just be with you in this moment as you sort of process what you're trying to process. And in, in that space, we're going to uncover what that wine is doing for you and why you're making that choice. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's because that behavior serves a purpose, even if as a long-term behavior, it's unhelpful or destructive. I love that. I was just having this conversation with a few of my friends, and it was about, I hate to say this, but people judging others about parenting. You know, everybody has yeah, yeah, advice. Yeah. If it was my kid, if it was my kid, it was, <laughs> and yeah. it tends to be, you know, maybe well-meaning family, friends, in-laws, whatever. And I said to them, you know, in the past, I was very fortunate to have a lot of people in my life that when they were giving me advice, I, I called it a little bit different. I said, Coach John, I called it, they were coming from love and I wanted to listen to them. Like, tell me everything. I want to learn from you, you mm-hmm. know? And I felt that they really were like, hey, Sandy, you know, I know you didn't have parental figures. Have you you know, thought about doing it this way or maybe trying this. And I wanted to hear what they had to say, right, which right. is a totally different feeling when it's not coming from love and you feel you're being judged. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And that to me, I always say, listen, I get it. It's coming from the fear-based stuff. And most times it has to do with them, but I don't want to have hear anything they have to say. You just shut me down right now. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I love, I love the name of the podcast. Let's keep it real. And, 
you know, depending on our perception of that, some people think let's keep it real is being blunt, almost to the point of being rude. Ugh, it, yeah. And, and, and yeah. calling it tough love. And I'm like, that's not helping people. No. But it, it, that's the judgment side. Just in the yeah. same way that the enabling side isn't helping yeah. people. It's like, no, let's have an honest discussion. And so I say, like with my clients, like I want to create a space where you can wrestle with your demons in the light. Mm. All right. Well, I have a big question that yeah. a lot of my acquaintances have said, maybe you should ask John. So in, this is a tough one. In our lives, there's this amazing gentleman who everyone loves. Let's call him Billy Bob, right? And Billy mm. Bob is just a wonderful human being. But Billy Bob is at least 150 pounds overweight. Okay. And Billy Bob knows what I do for a living. I mm. mean, you know, he knows I own health clubs. We've been friends forever. And it maybe it was 100 pounds overweight, but now it's 150. And keeps getting all these injuries and, and, and keeps saying, I don't know what the universe is trying to show me. Maybe I'm in the wrong job, but never mentions like that all these strains and all this stuff could be coming from his being overweight. Mm. So I'm th and always going to the doctors and they say, do this and do that and do the exercise. So my friends came to me and said, you got to do something. I go, I don't know how to approach it. And they're mm. saying, okay, ask Coach John, because I've been friends with this person for 20-some years. I've owned health clubs for 30-some years. Never, ever, ever have they asked me anything about working out and weight. And I'm stuck, John. I really don't know how to bring it up. And that's a really tough one because of your relationship to the individual, right? Yeah. And, and I'll just give you a, a bit of a side example. Uh, my mom has struggled with her weight since before I was born. She knows what I does. I does. <laughs> she knows what I does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she knows what I do. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she knows what I do. She listens to my podcast. She listens to my talks. She reads my content, but I can't coach her. Yeah. Like in theory, I could. I yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what's going on. I watch the behavior patterns. I see where my behavior patterns come from even, mm. but I can't talk to her about it. Unless she comes to me. Okay. Because they were like, Cameron, you're not a good friend. And I thought, if I bring it up now, I just can't even think of a way to be compassionate about it that she wouldn't feel awkward. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, your, your mom, she's a she. I'm talking about this gentleman, Billy Bob. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I just don't know a way he wouldn't feel awkward and it might affect yeah. our friendship. Well, no, and, and there is there is like this question of, and because he, here's where it gets tricky. So for example, um, you know, my dad has said, well, he, you know, my dad's like, they have a wonderful marriage. My mom's an amazing woman, really. And my dad is a really, really patient guy. And he said, you know, I just didn't want to bring friction into our relationship. Mm. And I can appreciate that, you know, yeah. that yeah. comes from a place of love. But what that means is now my mom in her mid seventies is struggling with mobility using painkillers most days mm. and at risk for cardiac conditions. Now, some of that is maybe just age-related and genetics, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but at the same token, it's because he didn't know how to have this conversation in a way that would be received as coming from a place of love and concern... Yeah. ...that this has been the elephant in the room, metaphorically speaking... Yeah. ...for yeah. 40 years. Wow. And so when it's gone on that long, it can be really, really tough. And so... Unless they come to you and say, hey, 
right? Yeah. They ask you then, all right, game on. Absolutely. So really all you can do in a sense, if I shouldn't say all you can do, the course of action I would choose is to make myself available. Make myself available because you can't force somebody to change if they don't want to. And I and and you know, without knowing Billy Bob, yeah. I can probably surmise that the eating behaviors they serve a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you can address what that purpose is, unless you can understand what that purpose is, like you can't just say, hey, stop eating junk food and exercise. Yeah. yeah. Because that that's, you know, I, I think the least helpful advice in the world of fitness is eat less, move more. Don't you hate that? Because it's so discompassionate. Yeah. Now, somebody, a purist will argue, yeah, but it's true. I'm like, uh-huh. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. But true yeah. and helpful aren't the same thing. Now, I'm not saying to lie to people. No, no, I But what I'm it. saying is, is if you just simply tell them something that they already know, it's like you don't understand their behavior. This is why I focus on behavioral psychology. Yeah, yeah. And, and it really stems from my own struggles around weight. Like for years, I was the jolly fat guy, right? That was how, that was how I covered yeah. it up. I'm the jolly yeah. fat guy. Heart of gold, uh, life of the party, always encourage people to overeat, to mask my own overeating behaviors. I'm willing to bet that, that Billy Bob doesn't want to be 150 pounds overweight. Yeah, of course not. It's hard to get around. Yeah. Now, here's the challenge, though, in, in, in Billy Bob's life is it feels like it's an impossibly big problem and it would just take way too long and it's just too much to try to change. And so there's kind of almost like a resignation that this is my lot in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's- Yeah, you know, it's would, overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah. It's not 10, 20 pounds. It's overwhelming. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it leads to the, the question that I often ask my clients, how do you eat an elephant? Elephants come up in my analogies a lot. Um, they're amazing, beautiful creatures. Yeah, I love um, elephants. I, I got to feed them when I was in Thailand one time, and that was. Oh, I did too. I was in Thailand. I got to feed them. Yeah, yeah. Their trunk is quite something. But, <gasps> you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Anyway, so so I love elephants. So they often come yeah. up in analogies. So the question: How do you eat an elephant? And again, it's a metaphor. Obviously, the elephant is an outsized problem, one that's way beyond our capacity presently to mm. solve it in one fell swoop. So when my clients are struggling, I'll ask them, "Like, are you trying to swallow the elephant?" And they get what I mean. In other yeah. words, they're trying to yeah. tackle the entirety of the problem. So here's how I would describe overwhelm. Overwhelm is trying to solve all your problems all at once in your head. Quite oh, like. I, I'm sitting here. I can't write fast enough. You're saying things that be, have been spinning around in my head, John, and yeah. you say them so eloquently, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I say that one more time. Um, overwhelm is trying to solve all your problems all at once in your head. Okay. Got it. All right. Continue. So I love that. Yeah. So what's happening is is when, when all these problems are swirling around in your head, um, they're changing shape and morphing and, and growing and expanding. I have this analogy, I call it the fuzzy monster in your head. So if you've ever seen a scary movie, you'll notice there's something that they do. And that is that they show you glimpses of, say, the bad guy or the monster. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it's a human, they'll show feet stepping out of a car and a certain stride and a certain cadence. But you're just seeing from like the knee down. And in your head, you're filling in the gap, right? You're creating yeah. the rest of the yeah, picture. Yeah. yeah. Well, this this is kind of what we do. Now, in your head... Like the monster is like impossibly big. Once they show you the monster in its entirety, it's still a big problem, but now it's defined and it can't get any bigger in a sense. So yeah, now it's a yeah. solvable problem. But gotcha. for as long as it's stuck in your head, it's this morphing, changing, growing, overwhelming problem. So it's like, you got to get that on paper, old fashioned pen and paper, get that down on paper because once it's on paper, it can't change shape anymore. It can't morph. 
And now you go, okay, I'm staring at a solvable problem. It might be a big one. It might be a difficult one, but I'm staring yeah. at a solvable problem. Oh, I love that. I love that. All right, let's go back a little bit mm. because you were saying that, you know, you were the jolly heavy guy for how mm. many years? And you mentioned in your bio until one day that one question changed your life. So let's home in on that one question. Mm, yeah. So just to lay the background, um, and, and we don't, and if it's a value, we can look at it. I don't mind talking about it. But basically, I went through trauma about 11 years ago, August 15th, 2011. Um, and that was, I was, I was attacked and nearly beaten to death when I was living in South Africa. And that really rocked, obviously, as, as you might expect, it really rocked my world. I, I was 29 years old. I was, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really prepared emotionally to deal with the fallout from that and, and how people would treat me. Um, uh-huh. it's when we talk about trauma, it's very interesting because people are uncomfortable talking about it for starters. And so they want to shut it down. So they would say things like, oh, that's nothing. You should hear what happened to so-and-so. Oh God. One-ups. I hate one-ups, mm. but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. That, that's, that's an attempt to escape the discomfort. Let me, oh. let me t- yeah. Oh, that's on their part. That's what they're trying to do. I understand that now. I didn't back then. But no, like, it sounds like one-ups to me. Like, yeah, you think you had it bad, blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm uncomfortable with what you're feeling right now, and I don't want to sit with you in that feeling, so I'm going to try and shut that feeling down. Oh. Yeah, all behavior makes sense. It's yeah. That's my my lens in my work is like all behavior makes sense. Okay. I don't mean it's all good, but it always yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so, okay. So to lay that back to you, so, so I, I, um, I really what awakened in me was a self-hatred and a self-loathing. So I went from, I, I, I became a binge eating food addict, and so I was obviously using food as a way of coping with my trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And you were um, 29, you said, 29. Yeah. So yeah. between 29 and 35, 36 was probably like the biggest struggles I had. So that seven, six, seven year stretch. Yeah. And I tried just about everything under the sun in terms of diets, nutrition science. I'm, I have a chemistry and nanotechnology background, so along with marketing psychology. And so I ran a supplement store for three years, had access to every supplement under the planet. Um, I, I'm a date, former data scientist. And so I could create spreadsheets and calculate, you know, um, you know, graphs and curves and percentages and, and probabilities and things. All of this to say, yeah, none of that solved my problem. How do I bridge the gap? Because I know what to do, but I can't seem to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What is wrong with me? <laughs> that yeah. was the problem. Yeah. And I tried hiring coaches and it was a really frustrating experience. Because one, because I'm like, I already know this and they're telling me stuff I already know. So I wasn't in a great place to be helped from where I was coming from, but they also didn't know what questions to ask to help me. And so they they would just be exactly that. Hey, John, you know what to do. Why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. That's why I hired you to help me. (laughs) You know, it's, so it's the most frustrating thing for me and for them. So this isn't to knock the coaches, but they just weren't equipped to deal with me and I wasn't equipped to deal with me. Yeah. So I didn't know what I needed. That's kind of the, the basis. So as a last ditch, I ended up hiring this coach. And I hired him because he, you know, he was in his, he still is in his 40s. He's, he's late 40s now. Anyways, he's in great shape. Yeah. You know, really like muscular, lean, you know, dad, two kids, that kind of thing. I've just got one. But, um, you know, he was someone I looked up to. I was like, I want to look like you. And I still had this idea in my head that if I look like you, I'll be happy. Yeah. So that was the premise that I was kind of hiring him with. And... You know, I was so determined to prove to him that he couldn't help me, right? 
<laughs> let, let me show you what a horrible waste of skin I am. Let me show yeah. you what a horrible, yeah. hopeless loser I am. There's no yeah. way you can help me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he would, he would, you know, here's what we're going to work on this week. And he was very, very patient and so on. And I kept being like, you must, you must be so disappointed in me. And I was just projecting everything I was feeling about myself, you know, just this terrible place to be self-loathing, self-hatred, you know, but I didn't know any other way. Yeah. And so I thought that this was what I needed in order to be able to change. And so, Anyways, he, you know, and this went on for, for a couple of months and, and all the while sort of building a relationship, building a rapport, not giving up on me, you know, piecing things together. And then he, he, he sat, well, we were, we were, this all he's done virtually, but anyways, we sat down and he said, John, I'll ask you a question. I said, if you make a list of all the things you love and value, how far down that list do I go before I see your name? Oh, oh snap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that question just kind of stopped me cold. I was like, it stunned me because he was broaching a topic that I really knew nothing about. And that was this topic of self-compassion. Mm. So the the view that I had of masculinity, I didn't, I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't understand that I was, that it didn't diminish me as a man. It didn't weaken me as a man to love and appreciate myself. So- it wasn't that I was near the bottom of the list. It was, I was not on the list, period. Mm. So it really hadn't entered my sphere of consciousness that I'm allowed to love and appreciate and value myself. So it was a very, very uncomfortable concept for me. Yeah. Anyways, so he, you know, he kind of let me sit with that one. <laughs> and, and it just, it kind of rocked my world in a sense, as now I'm trying to grapple with this idea that he's just planted in my mind, that, that, that. I'm allowed to be on a list of things I love and value. What does that even look like? How, yeah. do, I, how do I do that? You know, maybe I thought self-love was like bubble baths and wine and chocolate. And, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I just had a completely distorted view of what that, what self-love looked like. And, yeah. and it's perpetuated by the media and, and, and Hollywood and things like that. You know, we talk about emotional eating and people probably picture, you know, watching reruns of Bridget Jones' diary while eating a tub of ice cream and sobbing into it or something. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, 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 I'm sure that happens, but like that's, that's a fraction <laughs> of what emotional yeah. eating actually is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and anyways, and so, so that question really, so now I had to go in the process of learning because now I have to learn the behavior. Well, what is self love and how do I do it? And how do I, how do we even get comfortable with the idea of doing yeah. this, of, of treating myself this way? I don't know. I didn't know where to start. So here's where we started. We started with brushing my teeth. And for, for the average person, that's just a habit. I mean, just do this every day. Yeah, but what is brushing your teeth? Brushing your teeth is an investment in yourself. Okay. Right? So it's not that I didn't brush my teeth. But yeah, sometimes- I got, I got it. You know, sometimes I'd skip it. Oh, I'm too tired, whatever. So, but when we brush our teeth, we say, I am important enough that I'm going to do this act of self-care. Okay. And so every day that I did that, it was a reminder, I am important enough that I do the small act of self-care. And would you say that to yourself? I wouldn't exactly say that, but that was kind of the thought that started to run through my head. Okay. And then we put a water bottle beside my bed. And when I would wake up in the morning, I would take a drink of water and I would hydrate. And as I'm important enough that I do this act of self-care. So it wasn't, so it's funny that brushing my teeth and drinking water instead of bubble baths and chocolate. Yeah, yeah. You know, became me learning to love and appreciate myself. Mm. 
I'm doing this because I'm, you know, I'm worthy of this and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. It, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't anything grandiose. Yeah. Not so, big gestures, small. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, do you know the uh, circus elephant analogy? No, I don't. It's another elephant. Here we it's, go. It's another elephant analogy. <laughs> I know. Um, so, you know, if you would have went to a circus maybe a hundred years ago, um, you'd see an elephant with its leg tied to a stake. And you would look at this massive, majestic, you know, 10-ton beast. Maybe they only weigh five or six tons. They're pretty big. <laughs> um, yeah. With its leg tied to like a little stake in the ground. And you'd be like, well, why doesn't he just like shake his leg and yank it out of the ground and walk away? Um, and that's, so elephants have amazing memories. When the elephant was born as a baby, it was just a tiny, you know, 300-pound baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but they they would tie its leg to this stake, um, but they would put they would put the stake in concrete, and the chain that would go around the elephant's leg when it tried to pull, it would cut into the elephant's leg and cause it pain. Oh, gotcha. Right. So what they're doing is they're teaching the elephant if you struggle against this, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that leaves an imprint, and then the elephant, you know, becomes this big majestic beast, but it remembers if I struggle against this, it's going to hurt me. I see. So the human equivalent of that, in my mind, is like having our leg tied to um, like a surveying stake. You know those little one by twos with an orange ribbon on the top that you see tapped into the ground? Yeah. Yeah. So imagine your your, your leg's tied to one of those. And anybody walking by would be like, why don't you just pull it out of the ground and walk away? Mm -hmm. Because they can see you. They can see your power. They can see what you're able to do. They see what you're capable of. But in your mind, this is a limiting belief that you've been attached to for years, if not decades. You know, I have to tell you, I've never, ever, ever heard of that analogy. And I'm sitting here going, okay, now I get it. It's that big to you, to you. Yeah. 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 So then you go, okay, well, how do I do that? Because this involves challenging a belief that you may have held for years or decades. Now, what happens in our brain when a belief is challenged? It rejects it. It thinks mm-hmm. you're in danger. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I call it the emotional brick wall. Yeah. So if we try to do something big and grandiose, which many people try to do, let's say they're going to yeah. go on a weight loss journey and they try to go pedal to the metal. I'm, I'm in such pain that I want to escape this pain as fast as possible. Yeah. So I'm going pedal to the metal and they go straight into a brick wall. Bam. Mm. I don't know what happened. Well, the dopamine high dropped off. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to talk yeah. from neuro- neurology, it's like the dopamine yeah. dropped off. But yeah. really, and then and then you start this cycle of going hard and then crash and burn, going hard and then crash and burn. Why? Because you're not addressing the limiting beliefs that that like you hit, and it's like having a governor on your car's engine, or some, you know, having something that automatically like engages the brakes when you try to drive. So then it ends up starting to feel like you're trying to drive with the brakes on and all you're doing is a burnout in a parking lot. The engine's screaming, the tires are smoking, and you're just going in a little circle in a parking lot. You're not getting anywhere. And it's like, yeah, the, the answer is not to step on the gas harder. It's it's take your foot off the gas. And yeah. You know, I'm thinking, do you think a lot of it too is once you make that decision, like you said, you want to do it immediately because you're in such pain, but it's mm-hmm. also, we want the gratification. We want the instant gratification. We want to see results. Once we've decided to do something, we want the results now, 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 now. Mm. Oh, yeah. Very much so. We've been conditioned. So you think about what we've been sold by the diet industry for decades, and it's just been exacerbated by the internet. This one pill, 
wow, the fat just melts away effortlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and get your, you know, when you buy two bottles, get a third one free. That tells you how much value is actually in the product, right? Yeah. I'm a former supplement scientist. Um, yeah. You know, and so this is what we've been conditioned to believe. And then we live in the age of I send you a text message and you text me back. And if you don't text me back within five minutes, I'm thinking, what's wrong? Did you die? You know? <laughs> Do you like, hate me? <laughs> yeah. Right. That's the age that we live in. But there is no Amazon Prime for health. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, that for health results, there's no, there's no next day delivery here. This is a process. And so you go, well, how do I become okay with the fact that this is a process and a journey? This yeah. is not a three month, this is not a 21 day fix, a 30 day challenge, a 12 week, whatever. This yeah. is a lifelong journey that you're going on. So circling back around mm. to what you said about brushing your teeth and the yeah. water, yeah. those were little small changes that mm -hmm. you were making to sh for the self-love, to say, you know, I'm worthy of this. Right. Did you gradually add in, I'm going to do this for self-compassion and mm -hmm. self-care and, you know, and step it up like little yeah. by little by little? Yeah. And I'm glad you circled back because I, uh, we can we can sort of close this loop a little bit here. We can say, okay, what I was doing without realizing at the time, I understand looking back is I was slipping in. So if we go back to the, your leg tied to the stake and you pull it, when you pull that stake out of the ground, what are you doing? You are taking an action that is contrary to the belief that you hold. Yeah. yeah. So if the belief that I held about myself is I am not worthy of self-love and self-care, I am worthless, I am hopeless, I'm a loser. And yet this little act of brushing my teeth was a behavior that was contrary to that belief. Now it was small enough that it didn't trigger the emotional brick wall. It didn't trigger the brain's re rejection. Mm. And yeah. so I could, and, and so that's like pulling it out of the ground and taking that first step. And every time you take that little action, it's not strong enough to trigger your brain's rejection. So you just keep taking these little steps, like you're shuffling away from that spot where the stake was in the ground. Mm. And then every step that you take, the, the link in that chain around your leg gets weaker and weaker. And one day that chain, that link just breaks and the chain falls off and you're no longer attached to that belief anymore. So I, I was always thinking in my head, I have this picture of the brain and you're sending, this is what I'm thinking when you're talking, John. Yeah. And you're sending, instead of big, massive fireworks going up to the brain, I see these little signals going up. They're almost like sneaking in there through like the back door yeah. until before, before you know it. You have a whole different belief system, but it's small little things that yeah. you do every day that have the big effect. Yeah. And that's, that's the challenge, right? How do you, how do you, so you think from a business standpoint, how do you sell that? Yeah. Right? How do you, how do you sell what people actually need versus what they want? Mm. Well, and, and so I think about like what I do in my business is people don't come to me until they've tried, basically they're at the point where they're saying, I've tried everything and nothing works. Gotcha. So yeah. now what they've done is yeah. they've proved to themselves that no matter how hard I try to go pedal the metal with these 12-week challenges and six-week challenges and whatever fixes and so on, cleanses and detoxes and things, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now you're about ready to give up. Uh, then, then, then you come talk to Coach John. Yeah. And we go, okay, yeah. now that we've got all that stuff out of the way that doesn't work, now let's talk about what actually does. Yeah. And it's a great place to be. You know, yeah, and they're ready for you. Like you said, yeah. maybe with the other trainers. I mean, you have to be ready for the change yeah. or, or like you can't help anybody. So what, like you yeah. said, it's not like you're the first on their list. They're like. No, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's 
like obviously the work that I do has evolved even because I used to just be a suggest. I don't mean to diminish that I, I was a nutritionist and that was, yeah. that was what I saw as. And now I realize there's so much more to what I do. Yeah. And, uh, but I do it. It's, it's born out of my own experience and struggles where I'm like, oh man, you know, I, I say that I like, I want to be the coach that I wish my mom would have had 40 years ago. Oh yeah. I like that one. Yeah. yeah. That's incentive. That's incentive. Yeah. So it's, it's like she, she watches my lives. She reads my content and she, I think she does some things too. Like, and she, she's, you know, down from her heaviest weight by Ooh. a significant portion. But there's still significantly more weight to lose if she wants, you know, any hope of having a functioning hip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so on. And so um, part of what drives what I do is is almost like I'm trying to help my mom. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. And here's the big thing. I always say <laughs> I'm more likely that if I have 80 pounds to lose, I'm going to go to somebody who has 80 pounds they already lost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I the, the best therapist I've seen, they didn't, like everyone's like, oh, that therapist, they had their own issues. I'm like, yeah, and they yeah. are on the other side of it. And that's why I would send people to them. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I used to be so terrified to talk about my past and my struggles. Oh, because really? I was, I was like, people are going to judge me. Who's going to take me seriously? I don't look like a fitness model. You know, I've lost a bunch yeah. of weight, but I got, I still carry around a little bit of extra weight. I've got some saggy skin because I used to be morbidly obese. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I, I don't strut around shirtless, flexing my muscles. Like who's going <laughs> to want to hire me? You know, <laughs> yeah, that's because yeah. that was my impression of the fitness and, and, and health industry, which is so, in, and, and think about it, that's what's still like to this day plastered all over social media and getting attention, right? Because, yeah. you know, you put a, you put someone in Gymshark pants and, and flexing their bum and eyeballs are going to go that way. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. not, not to denigrate the person who's flexing their bum in Gymshark pants on social media, but I mean, like most people look at that and they can't really relate. They can go, well, my eyes like looking at that. Yeah. But it's not something I can actually connect to as a human being. And so when people hear my story, they go, ah, he's going to actually understand. Yeah. 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 That's So when I say, you know, you, I'm glad you brought up, let's keep it real. It's very mm. much to me about having a conversation where people are willing to show their vulnerabilities, mm. not just to serve themselves, but to serve others. You know, and that's magical. Yeah. The first time I told my story, I was, I was certain that like all of my friends were going to leave me and, and all of my clients were going to leave me and everyone was going to tell me what a loser and a failure I was. And, and all these feelings came back up. You know, it was, it was probably, it was 2018 when I, when I first really, you know, cause I went, I went from running the store to just exclusively coaching online. And oh. yeah, I remember just like shaking, my hand was shaking as I clicked, you know, post. <laughs> I was just so terrified. Yeah. Who, yeah. The whole world is going to judge me. And the response was just amazing, actually. Yeah. People were like, oh my God. I would think completely the opposite in my head. I'm like thinking, oh my God. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, every time that people tell their story, it allows others to tell their stories. Mm, mm. That's it's how why, I feel. Yeah. It's, it's why I have a podcast about that. <laughs> I call it Between <laughs> the Before and After. And, Ooh, uh, I love that. Well, I, I believe I'm having a guest uh, in the near future. I think her name's um, Sandy. Sandy, Maybe. someone. Yeah, it might be Sandy, Sandy Joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That's right. But you know what? So I want to go back even just a little bit more again. Mm. So here you are. You lost all this weight. You said you were a nutritionist, and then you decide to leave the store and coach people mm-hmm. full time. Yeah. So there must have been something that was like, okay, you know, well, I can uh, see okay. my calling. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about signs from the universe, um, well, I'll take one step back. At the store, um, I started to call myself a bartender without alcohol. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Bartender so people would come in. Alcohol. People would come in, and it's the proverbial, you know, people come to the bar and they drink and they drown their sorrows sharing it with the bartender. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So people come into the store, and I'm looking for a supplement to help me with this. And I would just start asking questions. And, and because I'm an honest guy, um, I would say, you know, look, if you really want to buy the supplement, obviously it's here, and I'm happy to sell it to you. But I just want you to understand this about it. It's not going to do this for you. And here's the things it can potentially help with, but what you're asking it to do, it's not going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, I just want you to be able to make an informed decision. And then we would just start talking. And it just, I was like, oh, this is sort of a natural fit. So, I mean, I, I was already kind of nutrition coaching in a sense through the, the supplement store. But what we were doing was we used that as a way to set people up with supplement plans and get them sort of buying supplements on yeah. a monthly whatever. Yeah. And I would hand pick the supplements and I, and I was very careful. Like I was, I think, very conscientious about it in a sense. And this isn't... Not to knock, well, not to knock entirely multi-level marketing or anything, but, um, you know, we were selling things at retail price, not three times retail markup, you know. Um, But anyways, so, uh, but it turns out I was in business with a pathological liar and a sociopath and a narcissist all all in one person. Um, Ooh, that's a fun person. Yeah, but I didn't, (laughs) I I didn't know what that behavior looked like. So I didn't realize until I was deep into this and fully invested in it that I was, um, and, uh, yeah, so when the bailiff showed up and was like, <gasps> yeah, rent hasn't been paid for over six months and yeah. the uh, landlords want their money, <sighs> I was like, yeah. uh-oh, where's that yeah. money gone? I don't <laughs> even know. Yeah. Because, because I was, I was the, I wasn't the accounting side. I was the operations and, uh, like logistics side managing stock. Gotcha. But, gotcha. but I wasn't that. And... So yeah, I kind of told him my sob story that I've invested all this money in this business and so on. And so he kind of gave me a wink and he said, I'm going to be back in a couple hours. <laughs> Normally they just put a lock on the door and kick you out, right? Yeah. He's yeah. like, you know, I need to go for a coffee. I'll be back in a couple hours kind of thing. Yeah. And so basically what he was saying was all the stuff that you've purchased and put in this store, take it out before yeah. I come back. Yeah. Basically. Like, that was a nice person. Yeah. And so, and so that's, that's kind of what I did is I was the purchaser. I owned all this stock and I was like, man, because what's, what was going to happen is they were just going to seize all of it and just put a dump dusty warehouse and just throw it out. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. so people aren't, cause I was, I was very careful about the supplements I brought in the store. I hand picked them, you know, they were all like really good supplements and so on. And so I was like, man, they're just going to seize all of this and just throw it away. So anyways, I, I, I took what was mine I didn't take anything that wasn't mine, but I just took yeah. what was mine out of the store and wow. loaded up my car like three or four times, you know, just, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And, yep. you know, um, and then my wife dropped me off back at the store and then she had to go to work kind of thing. And then he comes in and he's like, all right, so, uh, collect your belongings and sign here and sign here and sign here and so on. And, uh, we're putting a lock on the door. Oh God. Yeah. Now, did you call your partner? I mean, was he there? 
he wasn't there. He was, he, he runs a couple of other businesses, another one of which has failed. Um, I see a pattern of behavior here now. Um, so no, I, I kind of messaged my wife, but I'm like, now I'm just walking across the parking lot to catch the bus home because my wife and I just shared one vehicle because, you know, to save on money because we'd invested yeah. uh, like our life savings into this business that we thought we were building and it was all gone. So now we just had wow. a mountain of debt because we'd never got the business to the point where it was starting to, you know, it takes a number of years to sort of turn yeah. around and turn into a productive asset, a business. And we were yeah. just in the early stages where we'd like sunk all the money in, but the productive asset part of it hadn't. You know, we hadn't reached our five-year plan yet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, man, what do I do now? Like I was, I, I felt like, I felt lost. Like, because now I've, I just lost everything. Everything I've just been working for. Like my my sense of identity, who I was, the business, uh, being the provider, this life savings we'd invested, like just everything. Yeah. And I was wow. like, man, what, what do I, I mean, what do I even say? What do I say to my wife? What is everyone going to think when they they find out about yeah. this? Yeah, that's huge. Right. But I will say the flip side of losing everything, there is some degree of liberation to it. And so I I was like, well, I just, I can't go back and be an employee somewhere. And this is not to knock anybody who's an employee, but I was like, it's just, I can't. I feel like there's more I have to do and I've got to try yeah. and do something. Yeah. And and so I was like, all right, cool. Well, um, I started my Coach John McLernan Facebook page and said, I'm just going to post content here that helps people. And then if they're helped by my content, maybe they'll hire me. And that was the start of my my online business. Wow. And, uh, you know, more than four years later, I've helped hundreds and hundreds of people, which is really wow. cool. Wow. Isn't that and awesome? Yeah. And, and now uh, I have actually for the last uh, two years been mentoring and teaching other coaches how to build online businesses because I realized there's only so many people I can work with in an individual capacity. But if I can, if I can positively influence others in this space so that they don't just fall into the, you know, the mold and actually genuinely, you know, so I can create a ripple effect basically. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that's what I do. I, I still run my nutrition coaching. I, you know, I have a waiting yeah. list to work with yeah. me. Um, but, uh, so I, I mentor other coaches because it's just, there's, there's more, I can reach more people or create a greater ripple effect that way. That's awesome. I love that. I lo- and you know, it's a whole new world because you can reach so many more people because most mm. coaches are virtually like, yeah. you know, before COVID, no one even thought of that. That was like yeah, rare, yeah. rare. You know, and now so many I, people. I, I didn't know I was building a pandemic resilient business when I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. had my my pandemic two years before my yeah. my my pandemic moment when my business yeah. came crashing down and I lost everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, as the universe would have it, John, I sold my health clubs in 2019, kicking and screaming because my landlord. Uh, he switched hands and somebody from New York came in and I had a 20 year lease and I had three and a half years left on it. But they were like, holy moly, how did you get $7 and 50 cents a square foot for 26,000 square feet? Yeah. And I was an amenity to the building and they loved me. Well, this landlord's like, no way, you know, I'll find a bigger chain that can afford, you know, like $30 square feet. So a year of harassing me for like noise violation when I've been in a health club my entire life. Like I wasn't right. a yoga. <laughs> Finally, they made an offer that we could live with and I sold, but two and a half years early. Like I didn't want yeah. to. And then I think, what was the universe doing for me? I mean, how much <laughs> does it love me that I got out 
in yeah. 2019. Think about it. Crazy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That's funny because like uh, the, the strip mall where our store was located was also bought by a, uh, you know, investment group from an old landlord who just, who, yeah. you know, he was retiring and just wanted to sell off his assets and things. And, you know, he was a nice guy and had to get sold to this investment firm and, and they were just hard nosed. And so, you know, um, it's funny, funny how the universe works to push us into doing, doing these things. And I would have never started podcasting either. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. It's you know, crazy. it didn't, didn't, didn't mean anything to me. And now, now I love it. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I have a podcast that's made it to the top 10% of all podcasts globally, which I'm like, I was like, that's, that's actually pretty cool. I never, I never thought about that. That would, it, I mean, it's funny that we accomplish these things and I'm like, gosh, I never thought that was going to happen. I just did it because I loved it. And yeah, I, I just do it. it because I love it, you know? Yeah. I love that. All right, listen, we're like, I could talk to you forever. We're running out of time. And yeah. I have so many questions here that people have sent in to me. And I want to just get a couple in. Yeah, which, let's do rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, they're going to be like, Sandy, you didn't get any of my questions in. I'm like, okay, here we go. So the biggest question I got, okay, mm. we get that Coach John doesn't believe in fad diets. So they go like this. What do the does the dude eat? That's what they want to know. What does the dude eat? What does um, the dude eat? You know, I, I that's my listeners. That is, that's I, I love them it. Up. The dude. It makes you think yeah. of um the Big Lebowski. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie. Okay, that's a whole other thing. My husband's um, watched it a thousand times. All right, go ahead. So when when I go to 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 make a meal, I just kind of construct in my mind. I go, what's my protein? What's my veg? What's my carbs? And uh, because what you'll find is that most diets, you go, okay, what what's the common thread? You know, there's some variations. What's the common thread? You're probably gonna eat less crap and yeah, eat yeah. more nutrient dense food, more whole foods. Yeah, yeah. In exactly. one way, you know, maybe one yeah. diet you don't eat legumes, or another diet you don't eat. Oh, Gluten. That one. Yeah, you know yeah. that kind of thing. But uh, ultimately, it's like we're eating more nutrient dense food and less crap. Yes. Like that's really what it boils down to. Now, I mean, I'm like I did have something the other day. What did I have? An ice cream sandwich. So it's not like I eat like an entirely virtuous monk, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I. Eat differently. I'll put it that way. In other words, when someone, you know, puts a tub of ice cream on the table and says, have some ice cream for dessert, I don't eat half the tub. I put like a scoop, maybe two scoops in there and I eat it slowly right. and I taste it and I enjoy it. Oh, I, I know. I, I got like this mocha cappuccino smoothie kind of thing the other day. One of those bottled smoothies. And, and, and you know, normally what I would have done back in the day was just take the lid off and basically chug it, chug the entire bottle. Gotcha. You know? And now I like pour pour like a small amount of it into this little cup, maybe like it's it's a cup, like it's eight ounces or whatever. And I would sip it because I want to taste every sip of it. Like I'm drinking this purely for the enjoyment of drinking this. I'm not drinking this to quench my thirst. I'm drinking this because I want to taste mocha cappuccino smoothie. Yeah, yeah. And so I sip it, I sip it. And by the time I'm done my eight ounces, like I didn't, I don't even think I finished the eight ounces. I'm like, I'm good. I'm satisfied. <laughs> yeah. And so I just change how I enjoy things. It's not yeah. about consuming a volume of, you know, Oh, like, you know, I could, I remember one time sitting in my basement, just hating myself and eating an entire like chocolate bundt cake, like by myself, the whole thing, yeah. a whole cake. Yeah. 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 That's a lot, man. So I would say I eat almost anything. I don't have any food intolerances. And so I just eat it differently. Yeah. Yeah. I am and always have been someone that if I'm eating, I'm eating to appreciate it. And yeah. I eat so slow that people start eating off my plate when we go out. They're like, That's oh, funny. my God. But I, I don't care. I mean, 
I, when I sit down, John, I got the napkin. It's oh, so no. crazy a certain way. I'm grateful for the food. And I really, really enjoy it. And I'm the same way. I say I eat most of the time 75 to 80% really, really healthy and clean. But mm. I eat everything. I can eat yeah. everything. I just don't yeah. eat a lot of it. And when I do, if I'm eating ice cream, I better love the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I call it like the write home and rave test. You know, am I going to write home and be like, wow, you will not believe the handcrafted cannoli that I just had from this little cannoli shop that's like, you know, versus, you know, I bought a six pack of cannolis from your grocery store, you know, bakery kind of thing that doesn't even have real whipped cream in it. I'm like, no, no, no. If I'm having cannolis, there's going to be real whipped cream in this stuff and I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. And I would cut the one cannoli into thirds and- I go, I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this third of a cannoli kind of thing. And so I think you know, that's that's the difference. Yeah. There's a study, and I, I have to look more into it, that they did about if you eat something, not just slowly appreciate it and don't feel guilty afterwards and you actually burn more fat. I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. And it was from some big university. I don't know if you heard anything, but if you feel guilt, your body actually holds on to fat. Am I just making this up, John, or is it like a study uh, that's out there? Well, I would say there's probably a connection between guilt and holding on to fat, but it's probably not. It's probably not. You know, uh, the guilt just magically makes fat materialize on my body. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, not materialize. Hold on to it. Yeah. What, what I what I would say is that, like, if you look at the emotion guilt, and you think, okay, that's there's going to be sort of a I, I don't like this feeling, so I'm going to shut down my conscious awareness. I'm going to I'm going to eat in a way that I'm not really totally engaged and aware. And unconsciously gotcha. eat more than I realize, yeah. because there's nobody out there that can't lose weight eating 800 calories a day. Um, yes. it, it, what yeah. it is is, is I perceive that I'm eating 800 calories a day, and the other like 2,500 calories I'm eating, I shut down and ignore. Ooh, all right. I'm making a note. I'm going to find this study and send it to you. Please send, do. Send to Coach John. Okay. Next big thing. What do you do for movement? Well, this has been a bit, little bit of a challenge of late. Normally, um, I have resistance bands in my basement I train with, and, and then I um, I go e-bike riding with my friend. And uh, it, we make it a challenge. It's really, like E-bikes are pretty cool because if you got a massive hill, um, I can just whack a little bit of power on and make it a bit yeah, easier. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but I have like these challenges in my mind where I'm like, I want to use the minimum amount of power I require to get up this hill. You know? Gotcha. It's just, I, I basically don't want to be riding up the hill slower than I could walk up the hill. And so I'll use a bit of power assist to help me climb these hills. Because we live in, live in this ri- uh, in the river valley where you go in and out of the valley kind of thing. And there's some pretty tough rides. Like, it's beautiful. I bet. I bet it's gorgeous. I'm a mountain oh. biker, so I freaking would love it. Yeah. But the reason I do, so we, we do sometimes up to 50 Ks, 50 kilometers, which would be, I don't know, maybe 30, 32, 35 miles, 32 yeah. miles maybe, something yeah. like that. A, a big distance. Anyways. Now I do that because I have I have this I've had this ongoing hip issue for about two oh. years and I can't seem to figure it out. I've been to see maybe I need to see you. Um, <laughs> I've I've been to see like seven different types of therapists and really and yeah and we can't seem to come up with an answer. Um, now I did have two motorcycle accidents in my past. Okay. And both times injuring my left hip. And so I suspect there's a connection there as well as I was involved in a car accident where of I was course. a passenger and injured my left hip. So I've got three of major course. things that happened before I was 25. But why when I was 38 did this show up again and start haunting me to the point where it can be cripplingly debilitating? And so, but for some reason, riding a bike is something I can do. And so yeah. this has been this really challenging sort of emotional and mental thing to go through where mm. I can I can walk 50 meters. My IT band goes, yank. I'm going to pull on your knee so hard you can't walk. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, what on earth is going on? And and my pelvis was so twisted that my left leg was an inch and a quarter longer than my right leg. I'm not actually crippled. Like he straightened those things out and they're the same length. But like, no, 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 no. I get it. I get it. I, I have so, this. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk after this because I have similar issues from you know 500 mountain biking accidents and I oh, okay. fell on my yeah, left yeah, yeah. hip. And so I understand this. So that's a whole so anyway. Anyways, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is, so what I've done is I've I've figured out here's something I can do. For some reason, I can ride bikes. Yep. And I can't walk for any length of time. Yep, so, I know exactly. Then damn it, I'm going to ride bikes. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, I, know, so, I know exactly what it is. So we're going to talk about it later. Awesome. I would love that. So that, okay. that's that's what I do. So it, And I just shared that because, you know, sometimes people might say, well, I have this physical limitation. This is why I can't do this thing. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I now get it. I'm, I've been quite humbled by this actually, because yeah. it's like having this thing taken away from me that I took for granted for all these years. But yeah. I figured out a way to make it work. And the reason yeah. I did that is because I have a 16-month-old boy and I want to be present in his life. I don't want to just have to sit on the couch. And so when I hold him, and he's not a snuggler, so if I get a snuggle, you better believe I'm appreciating that because it doesn't come very easily. But that love that I feel inspires me to get out and do something. Now, I just have to ask you a real quick question because yeah. you said for 15 years, you've kept an international marriage. So I'm, co- I'm confused. Oh, yeah. Like, does she live here? Or does she live somewhere oh, oh. else? I think, I think no. Oh, so she's from Australia. Um, okay. We have had years living apart uh, with visa issues and things like that. Because people think it must just be easy between Canada and Australia. I'm like, no, no, no. There's still red tape. Believe me. Yeah. Like, um, but really what it is, is so when you ask someone to come and live with you and be your life partner and take them halfway around the world away from all of their family and sort of their yeah. familiar, that's a real challenge. And, you know, you think, oh, Canada, Australia, pretty similar. I'm like, they are, but it's a long way from home, especially for a daughter to be away from her mom. And so to, to have her be my life partner and live in Canada is something I try very hard not to take for granted because I recognize the sacrifice she's made. And you think for the last couple of years, she hasn't even been able to go back home to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, one of my closest friends lives in Ontario and is from Australia, and the same exact thing. She moved up there yeah. with her husband, but they're moving back in October. She, okay. She just couldn't handle it anymore for her. You know, yeah. it's hard. It's hard being away from your family. It, it really is, and so to to keep that going successfully, and then you throw in like I went through trauma, and she was she didn't witness the actual incident, but she was trapped with me in the incident afterwards. We were held hostage in a building and things like there was a whole lot of stuff that went on. Um, wow. People can hear hear my story on other podcasts. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm actually writing a book too, um, so it'll it'll come out in the book um, oh, when good. I release that. But uh, all this to say. Like, so we, we survived when I was in the Navy for, for three years of our marriage. I was in the Navy. I was in six years total. But for three years, I was basically an absentee husband. We survived that. We survived three years of traveling around the world where we're together 24-7 nonstop, going mm. through trauma, me gaining 120 pounds and becoming morbidly wow. obese. Wow. Uh, you know, losing everything in my, all of my life savings and coming home with nothing when she's sacrificed to come live with me in Canada, Aww. you know, and then, and I even offered her, I'm like, if you want to go home and leave me, you can, but she wouldn't. <laughs> like, I, and I was dead serious. I was like. Yeah. Cause you loved her that much. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. you came over here and, and you, you didn't sign up for me like losing everything in a failed business venture, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, kudos, you know, my wife's amazing. Like she's incredible. Yeah. 
she wouldn't she give was, up on me. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that's what's why I do what I'm doing today is like, because she wouldn't give up on me when I had given up on myself so many times. Aww. She's like, no, I am not giving up. Cause she's like, I see what you can be. Like she, Aww. she could see in me what I was capable of when I couldn't see it in myself because yeah. I was blinded by my own self-loathing. And yeah. so I really hope that I can, again, inspire people with that. Isn't that, I, I believe this. You just need one person, one person that believes in you, no matter what, man, oh man can get you through so much, so much. Like if yeah. everybody just had, doesn't matter who they are, but that one person that can be f- there for you when and hold that space when you can't hold that space for yourself. Ugh. Yeah, it's so powerful. So powerful. All right. Well, John, my let's keep it real people. We got to go. I could talk to John forever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. before we go, John, tell them every which way they can find you so they can hear more about you. Yeah, freedomnutritioncoach.com if you want to learn more about the nutrition coaching side of things. Um, between the before and after, which there will be a certain, uh, I think Sandy was her name, anyways, guest of mine <laughs> <laughs> coming up, um, which is a live podcast broadcast. Um, Ooh, fun. Yeah, yeah. So we do, we do it live as well. So between the before and after, I would love for people to go and check that out. Um, I do have a free seven-day course called End Emotional Eating. And it is freedomnutrition.rocks, so .rocks, slash seven-day challenge. So if people want to go and sign up, they can can go to freedomnutrition, no spaces, .rocks, R-O-C-K-S, slash seven-day challenge, no spaces. Cool. And uh, yeah, sign up for my free seven-day and emotional eating course. And I have a little surprise for people when they sign up, but you you don't get to find out what it is until you sign up. So. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's cool. That's good. All right. Well, I'm so grateful that you had the time to come on the show and my Let's Keep It Real people. You're going to want to spread it, share it, like it. We're so appreciative. And you know what I'm going to say. Until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.